0: Obviously, there's uh, someone else who desires salvation because God let the world continue another hour. So we have work to do, right? So let's keep on working uh, for the King. It is great to see you here this evening, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance. Let's please go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to pray to you, for recognizing us and hearing us. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace and for allowing yet another day to go by for those who are lost to surrender to your will. Lord God, we ask you to bless us in our worship, that we may learn something tonight that may encourage us and strengthen us just by hearing you speak to us through your word. Please guide us and teach us, guard us, lead us and direct us in Jesus' name, we pray and thank Thee to be that will, Amen. Uh, the disciple, whom Jesus loved, the beloved, the beloved, right? So imagine being called the beloved, right? the beloved disciple of Jesus, right? the beloved apostle of God—that's just it. It, it just—it's uh, one of those things. It's just so exciting to think about that, and. I want to turn to John chapter 13. I want us to think about some of the things about this beloved disciple that was unique with him and his relationship with Jesus. Beginning in verse 21. And when Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. And the disciple began looking at one another at a loss as to know which one he was speaking there was reclining on Jesus' breast one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So imagine being that beloved apostle. And think about the closeness in the relationship that he was leaning back on Jesus' breast. And, and as the people were eating and talking and conversing, the, the apostles, and, and it was that one man that was with Jesus in such a way. What an amazing Powerful and impactful relationship. Don't you want to be that person? In chapter 19, in verse 26, this man was entrusted in an amazing way. In verse 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold, your mother, and from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. Wow. Right. I mean, how close do you want to be to God? How close do you desire to be in a relationship with the Lord? Right. Chapter 21 of, of John, beginning at verse 5. Jesus, therefore, said to them children you do not have any fish do you and they answered him no and he said to them cast the net on the right hand side of the boat and you will find a catch and they cast therefore and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish that disciple therefore whom Jesus loved said to Peter it is the Lord and so when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord he put on his outer garment for he was stripped work and he threw himself into the sea. Well Peter jumped into the water but it was that beloved apostle that recognized the voice and the activity of his master. And then in 21 verse 20 Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back on his breast at the supper and said Lord who is the one who who betrays you. And Peter, therefore, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. This saying, therefore, went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come. What is that to you? This is the disciple who bears witness of these things and wrote these things. And we know that His witness is true. So when I, when I studied the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, I went through a process of elimination. And I want to do that with you tonight, beginning in John 21. So there's this amazing relationship with this one beloved apostle. Who could this be of the 12 whom Jesus selected through prayer and uh, while they were in His midst? We go through this process of elimination. Since the book of John is the only book that mentions the disciple uh, in this way, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved. You can go through this process of elimination in the book of John to know who it possibly, who it can't be. And then that will bring us down to whom it most likely is. So, who's disqualified? John 21 and verse 2. Therefore... Uh, they were together, Simon, Peter, and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. And so those fishing who are now disqualified are Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathanael, Bar- Bartholomew, and, and then the sons of Zebedee are not mentioned by name. And there are two other disciples that are not mentioned. Chapter 14 and verse 22. We're going to disqualify another. The Bible says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? So we disqualify Judas, not Iscariot. John 18 and verse 3. Judas, now we disqualify Judas. Judas then, having received the Roman cohort, and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees came there with the uh, lanterns and torches and weapons. So now Judas Iscariot is disqualified. John chapter 1 and verse 40. So you just read the whole book of John and just start writing these names down. John 1 and verse 40. Andrew is disqualified. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. So Simon's already disqualified. Now, Andrew is disqualified. Verse 43. The next day, he purposed to go forth in the Galilee, and he found Philip, and Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip is disqualified. So I just kind of went through the list, and started saying, Okay, who is disqualified? Now, 21 in verse, in verse 2. John 21 in verse 2. And there were together, Simon, Peter, and Thomas, called Didymus and Nathaniel and Canaan of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. So the sons of Zebedee, well we know who they are, right? Mark tells us in chapter 3 in verse 17 that it's James and John, right? James and John are the sons of Zebedee. Verse 17 says, and James the son of, excuse me, James the son of Zebedee And John, his brother, the brother of James, to them he gave the name uh, Bonaerjurus. Excuse me. Bonaerjurus, which means son of thunder. I don't know why that bothers me there. Sons of thunder. So, James and John. James and John. I want us to think about what happened in John 21 when Peter was talking to the Lord and there was an issue about Jesus saying, when you grow older, people are going to take you where you do not wish. And Peter was concerned then about, well, what about that guy over there, speaking of the beloved apostle? Verse 18. Verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, "Follow me." Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one whom also leaned back on his breast at the supper and said, "Lord, who is the one who betrays you?" And Peter therefore, seeing him, said to Jesus. Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I want to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. This saying, therefore, went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. And yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want to remain until I come, what is that to you? So the, the, the idea here, the implication, is that whomever this disciple is... He would live a longer time, if you will, a life of some kind of longevity. We know then, if you think about James in Acts 12, he was the first apostle to be beheaded, or executed, if you will, for the cause of Christ. So most likely, he wasn't speaking of James, because James didn't last very long after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was one of the first to expire. James Acts twelve and verse two. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And so we're going to just disqualify him. So there there are technically only, only four apostles left that we could think about who could possibly be the beloved the disciple. Matthew, Simon the Zealot, James the son of Alphaeus. These are silent characters in the book of John and then the beloved disciple. So how do we kind of decipher that? How do we figure out who this man could be just kind of using that? Well, I think what we do is we, we exclude Matthew because Matthew himself, in, in the book of Matthew, identifies himself over and over again as being Matthew. Mark identifies him as being Matthew. Luke identifies him as being, as being Matthew and in identifying himself with clarity that he was not one of the three closest apostles to Jesus Christ, right? And Matthew himself, the disciples, if you will, think about Matthew. Matthew says in Matthew 17 that when Jesus went to the high mountain, he took those three close apostles, Peter, James, and John, two brothers. So James, in Acts 12, is now gone, the only two left who are the closest to Jesus are Peter and John. Peter's already excluded. The only one left is James the less. And we're sure it's not James the less. But rather, the close one, John. So now let's take a look at what John says about uh, himself in the book and what he gives us that no one else gives us so john uh, chapter first john chapter one let's go there first first john chapter one i want to i want to tie something together that only john speaks of and no other apostle if you will no other matthew mark luke john, no other apostle no other writer puts this together but john does and there's a reason why john puts it together first john chapter five In verse 6, he speaks of Jesus and he says, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. When did he see that? Remember when all the apostles scattered, John 19. All the apostles scattered at the foot of the cross with the ladies. And John. And John sees something happen. In John chapter 19, in verse 25, here's what John tells us. Therefore, excuse me, I'm going to verse 34 first. I'm going to put this together. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately came out blood and water. So the piercing of Jesus' side is not mentioned in Matthew. It's not mentioned in Mark. It's not mentioned in Luke. But John, the eyewitness, was there at the foot of the cross. And Mary also witnessed. And they were there during those events. Now, let's go backwards to verse 25 of Matthew 19. Therefore the soldiers did these things. But they were standing by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. So he was a witness. He was an eye witness. He saw. He saw the blood He saw the water. He makes a spiritual application to the physical blood and water that came from the side of Jesus. In 1 John chapter 5, he gives us a spiritual application to this amazing event that he was an eyewitness to. And then in John 19 and verse 35, and he who has seen has borne witness and his witness is true and he knows that he's telling the truth so that you also may believe. And So, John, the beloved apostle, what an amazing relationship. Remember last week, sons of thunder, right? Barnoges, sons of thunder. How did did he transition from, remember, that man of, of, let's bring down fire and kill them all, to that man of love. It's amazing what he got out of the relationship with Jesus Christ. And as he writes, and God uses his own personality, but inspires John. John writes these amazing things about Jesus that comes out of the relationship that he had with God. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, maybe we learn the lesson of love the closer that we get to Jesus. Maybe that's what happens. The more that we study about Jesus, the more that we gain the lesson of love. We think about things like John 4, the woman at the well. When the apostles come, they say, Why? Why are you talking to her? And then... They're afraid to ask him a question. And and then Jesus asked this woman whom whom the the Jews just totally excluded, Samaritan. And Jesus says to her, give me a drink. That means he drank from her cup. There's no partiality with God how beautiful that was and the apostles brought uh, brought food for Jesus and Jesus said I've already eaten food that you don't know anything of and that day all the Samaritans well majority so many Samaritans in that city came to meet Jesus and Jesus talked with Samaritans wow And John is the one who writes about the woman at the well because there's depth to that in relationship in regards to people. And maybe, just maybe, the answer is that I see people in a very different way. That I see people the way Jesus saw them when I learn to grow closer to him. How close are you to Jesus? You can gauge that by how we treat each other, how we treat people. Do we treat people like Jesus treated people? And then we go one step further. This is a deep one. This one kind of hurts. How do I treat my enemy? The ones that are hurting me. Do I treat them like Jesus? John, who witnessed all that Jesus went through, trailed Jesus through the gate when he was being persecuted. Let Peter in because he was a friend of the people of the day. Stands at the foot of the cross and looks at Jesus takes the mother of Jesus to his home and and they begin this relationship of mother-son because Jesus is gone. And then begins to change, if he hasn't already, his personality from a man who's a man of thunder by, by definition to a man of love. How close am out of Jesus. In John 19, in verse, 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 John 21, excuse me. John 21. He said, I saw it. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. I was, what did he see? Remember the centurion? The centurion said, when, when he saw the way Jesus breathed his last, he said, truly this was the Son of God just by witnessing the way he breathed his last and to think that on his way out meaning from from life to death he had enough energy to look down and see the beloved and see his mother and unite them together in love when Jesus breathed his last what did John see What did John see? How close am I to Jesus? I'll leave you with this. How much closer do I want to be to Jesus? In John 21, this beloved disciple writes this. This is the disciple who bears witness of these things and who wrote these things. And we know that his witness is true. You know why we know it? Because he was there. Because he was there. And so tonight, uh, just imagine being as close to Jesus as the apostles were. What What would that feel like? It's kind of exciting, right? Draw near unto God, and God will draw nigh unto you. Let me encourage you tonight to make it your focus, to make it your aim to draw closer to Jesus every minute of your day. Try to draw closer to Jesus. See what that feels like. The lesson is yours tonight. Perhaps something was said to encourage you if you're not a child of God and to come to Jesus and surrender in the waters of baptism that you might be saved if you're struggling in your faith and you would like prayers made on your behalf. If there's anything that you gain from the scriptures, and we can help in any way. Please make it known. While together we we'll stand and sing our song of invitation, why don't you come? Oh, do not let the world depart, and close thine eyes against the light. Oh, sinner, heart, not your heart, be saved. Oh. Tonight, oh, why not tonight? Oh, why not tonight? Will thy